皆様ご起立ください Konnichiwa, Paralympics fans and lovers of Shukhlistan, and welcome to day five coverage of the Tokyo 2020 Paralympics on Keep the Flame Live, where the podcast for fans of the Olympics and Paralympics. I am your host, Jill Jairs, joined as always by my lovely co host, Allison Brown. You're back, Allison. I'm back. You can't say as always to me. I know, I know, you know, and that's just part of the patter. <laughs> It's just what we say, and I have failed you once again. Well, thank you to Superfan Sarah for filling in for me yesterday. It is greatly appreciated. So, got one out of the house so I can watch more Paralympics undisturbed. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's very good. All right. It's a big day on the Paralympic program. So, let's get, get to our news and follow up file. Great news that just came out before we recorded. Craig Spence, who is the chief brand and communications officer for the International Paralympic Committee, posted on Twitter that the two Afghanistan athletes have arrived in Tokyo and they will get to participate in the games. That is fantastic news. That is the best news I've heard all day. That's fantastic. We'll go to not so good news. Well, I heard you guys talking about it yesterday and then I went back and saw the story and I was. Absolutely horrified by this. The athlete who was hit by the self driving bus has withdrawn from the competition. This is Aramitsu Kitazone, who is a judoka. He suffered no external injuries. He had an MRI and it showed his brain was not affected by the accident. However, he said he doesn't feel quite right and he doesn't have a good appetite. And some doctors said, you know, you probably shouldn't compete for a week just in case you have a concussion and those symptoms haven't really fully manifested yet. So he got apologies from Hidemasa Nakamura, who's the Tokyo official helping to ensure the games go off smoothly, and Kyo Toyota, who's the president of Toyota Motor Company, who made the car, which is called the E Pellet. Toyota said the engineers of the car had never considered what it means to lack the ability to see or hear at the Paralympic venues. Wow. That's, I can't even. Well, first of all, I want to say, no kidding, he doesn't feel like himself after he got hit by a car. And I mean, that is so basic. I mean, I could get with, oh, they misunderstood certain elements of limb impairment or. But not expecting people with visual and, and auditory impairments at the Paralympics? You know, I think they just didn't think about it. I honestly think it was not an honest mistake, but going along with that whole We the 15 campaign, I just think that people don't really realize when, when you think, oh, we had the Olympics and the Paralympics and the Paralympics are for disabled athletes. And then you just forget that disabilities come in many forms and you just go about your business. And if you don't have any of these people in your life on a regular basis, you just don't consider it. I think you're being too nice. <laughs> I, I, Because I don't I, think it's right. I've only got so much outrage. I want to take these engineers and slap them upside the head. I mean, if you don't know what disabilities you are dealing with, you find out. Come on. And it is a big, bad learning moment for Toyota. I hope they are humiliated and embarrassed by this. They should be. That follow up is courtesy of the Asahi Shimbun. COVID cases with the games now number over 200. So the, the upside is that for the second straight day, no athletes or individuals staying in the athletes' village have tested positive, according to Kyoto News. Heat has been a problem 
Who's surprised? Really? <laughs> you know who's probably surprised? All the IOC members who approved the bid back in 2013 when the bid book likely said, oh, temperatures are very nice. So you're telling me that there's heat in Japan in the summer and visually impaired people come to the Paralympics. Who knew? I know, right? So uh, temperatures have been over 30 degrees Celsius or more since August 18. And this is a bigger issue on the Paralympic side because people with disabilities often have issues that aren't conducive for them functioning properly in high heat. So it's harder for them to perspire or expand their blood vessels to bring down the body temperature. The pressure of competition puts greater pressure on them excitement they have about the Paralympics can also be a factor. So they may not realize that their body temperature is approaching dangerous levels. Both the Asahi Shimbun and Kyoto News were reporting about that. If some athletes who are closer to the ground, especially if they're in a wheelchair, may get more heat from the ground than an able-bodied athlete does who stands up. So that can also be an issue in uh, regulating body heat. And so the Heat stress index figures used for the Paralympics are a lot stricter than those for the Olympics. And we'll talk about that, how that's affected some sports later on. Feed beefs. I was going to try really hard not to make this a segment, even though I'm making it a segment now. See, I go away for one day and Sarah encourages you and then the, <laughs> everything just goes off the rails. Thank you, Sarah. So I, I was going to try really hard not to make this a segment, but... NBCSN, I thought they said, we're going to have coverage on every day from 9 p.m. to 9 a.m. Follow along or set your DVRs, right? And then last night at 9 p.m., I turned on my TV and there was nothing. There was nothing on NBC, NBCSN, nothing on Olympic Channel that was Paralympics related. They had stuff on, not Paralympics related. And you didn't get anything until like midnight. And... I was just frustrated beyond belief. I, we had a little bit of judo on last night, but it was kind of like, I want something on the big TV. And it was also hard. Like, I couldn't pull up anything on Peacock. I couldn't pull up anything on the NBC Sports app. It was just like highlights or this is coming up. We don't have anything past to show you. Or I, if they did, I couldn't find it. So that was a real frustration. So, of course, again, or I go to bed too late because I wanted to see something. Then I get up at 5.30 to cram in everything that was on my DVR and try to watch feed and try to populate the show sheet with winners. I am beyond angry. I'm also angry because if you go to NBCOlympics.com and look at the sports schedule, if you scroll down to the schedule section, it claims that some sports start much later than they actually do. So archery is underway, but according to NBC, competition doesn't start until September 1st. Well, I'm going to prevent a frustration for you tonight. NBC Sport does not start its coverage until one in the morning. So that nine to nine is getting less and less as we're going along. Wow. And and when I was watching my DVR coverage, I think they do repeats. Within yes. The, yes. Because I was like near the end of the day's coverage. I'm like, wait a second. I saw this swimming race because I know who wins. And then I got confused. And then I got angry again. Right. Especially for swimming and track where there are multiple classes of the same race. Mm -hmm. To be repeating things makes it so frustrating and confusing for the viewers. I had the exact same experience. I was watching a swimming race and thinking, didn't I watch this? And I said, oh, it must be a different class. And then when I saw the winner, I said, nope, 
I saw that already. Yeah, it's it's frustrating. It's demoralizing. And I had stuff going on feeds. I, I really wanted to watch throwing because throws competitions in athletics, I think, are fascinating. But they don't put that on the broadcast coverage here in America. You have to find it on feed. So I did find the feed that had the club throw because that is a new to me event and I wanted to watch. The feed had no commentator. Which is so helpful when you're watching a new to you sport. And most Paralympic sports are going to be new to people. Mm -hmm. We're mad. <laughs> Just angry. I'm angry. Hey, <laughs> what, what officiating or volunteer job would you like? Okay. So I know yesterday you talked about the mat disinfection process at yes. judo. Yes. You left out the most important element of this, the synchronized sweepers that follow the sprayer. <laughs> so they peel off one at a time and they slightly overlap. So there are no edges mm -hmm. and they each go, you know, one, and then the next one is two steps behind. And then, so they cross in a triangle oh. on a triangle. They cross in a diagonal. Okay. So I want to be one of those synchronized sweepers. And they also did sort of a little sharp turn when they went onto the mat and off the mat. I was like, Jacqueline Simino, I have some new artistic swimmers for you, but you need to give them a broom. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. So I would like to go out to the field again, the athletics field. When I was watching club throws, I did see our little autonomous robot cars that deliver the throwing implements back to the athletes. But Did they hit anybody? I don't know because I only saw a glimpse of one. I did not get to see much of one. But I did see that there is a person who takes the implement who must i did not see this part of the process because the the club was presented to the athlete in a basket by one of the either volunteers or officials so there must be a process to i remove the club from the robot car put it in a basket and bring it to the athlete and they get to choose their club <laughs> do you get a cute outfit with your presentation basket no it's the same volunteer one which i like very much to be quite honest the more I see it, the more I like it. Yeah, I have to do a little bit of exploring at athletics because there are a lot of people with volunteer outfits standing around all the time. Mm -hmm. And I want to know what all those people are doing when they're not just standing around. There's no clipboard. There's no, I don't know what they're doing, but they have a job and I want to know what it is. All right. Before we get to today's action, we'd like to tell you about our Kickstarter campaign. We have eight days left in the campaign, so we really need your help. It's exciting. We are at 40%, but this is, you know, time's getting to be a factor here. So this Kickstarter campaign is to help fund our trip to Beijing next winter. We got uh, accredited as media for the both the Olympics and the Paralympics. And this was a surprise to us. We applied thinking that they would not come, but they did. And the, the issue with us is that we're an independent podcast. We also have an independent podcast budget. And that budget planning didn't include travel to an Olympics and a Paralympics for another few years yet. So we, especially now, given the Paralympics coverage we've experienced here, we really want to be able to get to Beijing and have on the ground presence that we can share what the games are really like there with you all. So we do need your support to get there. Please visit our Kickstarter campaign. Thank you to those who have already donated. If you haven't 
donated yet and you'd really like to help us out, go to kickstarter.com slash profile slash flame alive pod and check it out and you can give there. All right. Starting off with archery, which, you know, surprise that started. So we had men's individual competition in the compound bow. And I wanted to talk about a couple of matches. USA's Matt Stutzman, who is well known here, he gets promoted by the USOPC and by NBC a lot, which is I'm very surprised they're not showing this because they do like who we call the armless archer. He beat India's Shyam Sundar Swami 142 to 139. So the matches are five ends with three arrows each. Stutzman won three of the five ends. Swami won one and they tied in the fifth, but Stutzman was ahead at that point. So he won the match. Another match of note that I wanted to let you know about was USA's Kevin Polish versus Finland's Jere Forsberg. And the last three ends were tied, but Forsberg had won the first two ends by one point each. So he got a victory of uh, 145 to 143, and he moved on to the round of eight. Then we also had the mixed team W1 competition. Gold went to China, silver went to Czech Republic, and bronze went to RPC. If you happen to see any archery... Let us know how it is. I would love to know how it is. I'm sure it's very good. Moving on to athletics. Big day in athletics. Lots of stuff going on. So we'll start with the women's discus, the F57 finals. The F57 class is impairments in one leg, both feet or below the knee. And gold went to Uzbekistan's Mogil Kamdamova. Silver went to Algeria's Nasima Saifi, and bronze went to Brazil's Juliana Cristina da Silva. In the men's shot put F12 class, this is a standing class and involves visual impairments. Gold went to Spain's Kim Lopez Gonzalez with a world record. Silver went to Ukraine's Roman Daniliuk. And bronze went to Uzbekistan's Elbek Sultanov, who got a personal. In the men's 5,000-meter T13 class, which is a visually impaired class, gold went to Spain's Yassin Huidadi El Atabi, who got an area record. Silver went to Australia's Jared Clifford, who also got an area record. And bronze went to RPC's Alexander Kostin, who got a personal best. Now, Kostin ran with a guide who was a Yuri Klopkov, but the other two did not. And I did not see this race, so I don't know why. Maybe got uh, a, if you've got an idea, let us know and we'll do follow-up, or uh, maybe we can find it on the feeds. In the women's 5,000-meter T54 class, this is a wheelchair class. Gold went to USA's Susanna Scaroni. Silver went to Switzerland's Manuela Schaar, and bronze went to USA's Tatiana McFadden. Of course, this race was on television twice. <laughs> this was one of the races that confused me because I said, oh, it's Tatiana McFadden racing again so quickly after that long race. No, it was the same race. So Scaroni made a move pretty early on and gave herself a huge lead over the rest of the field. And afterwards, I was listening to the interview and, and Tatiana McFadden said she stayed in the pack. She saw that that uh, move and she said, I'm going to stay with the pack and try to keep them back so that Scaroni could maintain her lead, which was really nice and a good uh, teammate thing going on. McFadden did manage to get out of the pack enough to get into third place and get the bronze. If you want to cry, watch this medal ceremony. Really? Susanna just, you could see she's trying not to cry, but she can't <laughs> not cry. 
it's great metal ceremony. It'll it'll make you feel better about everything. Okay. That's good. In the men's 1500 T46 class, this is impairments in one or both arms. Gold went to RPC's Alexander Iramchuk. Silver went to Bulgaria's Hristan Stoyanov. And bronze went to Uganda's David Imong, who got a personal best. In the women's long jump T64 final, the impairments in this class involve missing limbs. So either one lower leg or missing one or both legs below the knees. So gold went to uh, Netherlands' Fleur Young, who got a world record. Silver went to France's Marie-Amélie Lafour, who got a Paralympic record because uh, Lafour is in class T64. Young is in class T62, but the two classes were combined. So that's how you can have those two records go. And bronze went to Netherlands, Marlena van Gaswinkel. In the women's javelin throw F13 class, which is a visual impairment, gold went to Uzbekistan's Nozimakan Kayumova, silver went to China's Zhao Yuping, and bronze went to Belarus's Lizaveta Pietrenka. In the women's 400-meter T11 final, which is visual impairments, gold went to, and these have no guides, so I wonder if this is a lower level of visual impairment. Gold went to China's Liu Qiqing with a, a Paralympic record. Silver went to Brazil's Thalita Vitoria Simplicio da Silva, who got a personal best. And bronze went to Colombia's. Angie Elizeth Pabon Mamian, who also got a personal best. In the men's javelin throw F57 class, this class involves impairments with one leg, both feet, or below the knee. Gold went to Azerbaijan's Hamed Hedari, silver went to Iran's Amanola Papi, and bronze went to Brazil's Cicero Valdrian Valdi, Cicero Valdiran Linus Nobre. In the men's club throw, F32 class, and this is movement and coordination issues, could be across your entire body that cause involuntary muscle spasms. So these competitors throw while seated. Gold went to China's Liu Li with a world record. Silver went to Greece's Anastasios Konstantinidis with an area record. And bronze went to Algeria's Walid Farah, who also got an area record. And like I said, I got to watch a little bit of this competition. And again, they did all five throws at once. I would imagine that's because it takes a while to strap them in the chairs and make sure they're safely and secure. The other thing I was really wondering and could have used a commentator for was the fact that some throws were scratches and I didn't know why. And it wasn't that the throw went out of bounds. I didn't know what happened to make that judgment call. Right. And it's not like in standing Olympic throwing, you can go out of the circle. If they're seated, they're seated. Right. So I don't know if there's boundaries to where their bodies can go forward, but that doesn't make sense. So if you know why some throws for seated athletes are listed as scratches, please let us know. We'll keep looking. In the women's 1,500-meter T13 class, which is a visual impairment but not running with guides, gold went to Ethiopia's Manigstu with a personal best. Silver went to USA's Liza Corso, who also got a personal best time. And bronze went to Tunisia's Somaya Boussed. 
In the women's shot put F37 final, this is coordination or impairment of movement down one side of the body. And this causes a bunch of asymmetry and affects an athlete's ability to generate power. Gold went to New Zealand's Lisa Adams. She's Valerie Adams' sister. (laughs) And Valerie's her coach. So as we mentioned in the Olympic podcast, Valerie Adams, five-time Olympian, four-time medalist, just all-around amazing person. And not only is she continuing her own competitive career after having her children, she's just casually coaching her sister to a Paralympic gold medal. And Paralympic record. These two are amazing. I want to go over there for dinner. Of course, I come up to both of their like elbows. (laughs) They are two very tall women, but I will just hug them around the waist. Say I love you, Adam sisters. But there's a third Adam sibling. There's a brother who plays football. Of course anyway. there is. <laughs> they could just play football with me. I am so- <laughs> And I don't mean I would be a player, I would be the ball. <laughs> but that was fantastic. Though what a family. Silver in that competition went to China's Mei Na and bronze went to China's Li Ying Li. In the men's 100-meter T38 class, this is uh, movement or coordination issues in the lower body or down one side or across the whole body body that causes asymmetry while a runner runs. Gold went to Great Britain's Thomas Young, who got an area record. Silver went to China's Zhu Dening, and bronze went to Australia's Evan O'Hanlon. In the women's 100-meter T38 class, Gold went to Sophie Hahn from Great Britain. Silver went to Colombia's Darian Fasuri Jimenez Sanchez, who got an area record. And bronze went to Lindy Ave, who got a personal best. In the men's long jump T63 final, this is the T63 class is when an athlete has an above the knee amputation or is missing most of their leg. So they'll have difficulty getting out of the starting blocks. The gold in this race went to South Africa's Natando Malangu with a world record. Silver went to Germany's Leon Schaefer with a Paralympic record. And again, this is another one of those combined classes, so silver can get the Paralympic record. Bronze went to Daniel Wagner from Denmark. In the men's 5,000-meter T54 race, this is a wheelchair class with lower leg impairment. Gold went to Switzerland's Marcel Hug. Silver went to Brent Lakatos from Canada. And bronze went to Putharith Kongrak from Thailand. In the women's 400-meter T47 finals, and this is, I believe, a one arm is missing here. Gold went to uh, Rune Viers from South Africa. Silver went to Lisbel Marina Vera Andrade from Venezuela, who got a personal best. And bronze went to Anastasia Soloveva from RPC. And that rounds out the day in athletics. Big day. Lisa Adams and Valerie Adams have matching medals now. The Bacha competition got underway. There's a lot of preliminary action going on. It seems much like table tennis where there's just... 25,000 games going on at the same time and here in the U.S. hard to find but uh, hopefully we'll be able to look at that action soon because that's one of the sports I really want to watch and understand how it works. It is the last day of competition at track cycling so we had 
three last races. It was the men's B class 1000 meter race. This is a visual impairment class. Gold went to Neil Fachi with pilot Matthew Rotherham from Great Britain. They got a world record. Silver also went to Great Britain. James Ball with pilot Louis Stewart. And bronze went to France, Raphael Beaujolais and pilot Francois Purvis. The women's B-class also had their 3,000-meter individual pursuit race. Gold went to Laura Facci with pilot Corrine Hall. They're from Great Britain. Silver went to Katie George Dunleavy and pilot Eve McChrystal from Ireland. And bronze went to Sophie Unwin and pilot Jenny Hall from Great Britain. Laura Facci and Neil Facci are husband and wife. I kind of guessed that one. I wasn't sure if they were going to be siblings. I mean, it's not a very common <laughs> last name. So another British married pair getting these matching medals. We had the pair from the Olympics. Now we have them for the Paralympics. You get married and you cycle in Britain, you win gold medals. It's Just a bad. little life advice for you. <laughs> and wrapping up the competition was the mixed C1-5 700-meter team sprint competition Gold went to Great Britain, silver went to China, and bronze went to Spain. In equestrian, it is time for the team test event. So they had their test to music preliminary competitions. We'll be able to report more on that when they get towards the finals. Goal ball. Did you see any goal ball? I did not see goal ball. Okay. So I have to say, the, the goal ball I saw on the broadcast TV, the commentator was Lisa O'Sullivan. And she is fabulous. She is so excited about goalball and pretty good about telling you what's going on, especially like in terms of penalties, because a couple of days ago I talked about what is a long ball and I didn't know yes. what that is. So she said it bounced before a certain line and I didn't see how that happened, but it, it might be before their first line. And I also learned that the tape on the floor, they have string underneath it so that the athletes can find where they are. And on a roller derby track, you have rope underneath your tape. This job is more and more to my understanding. So they put strings so that it's raised so you can feel the difference in the floor. Exactly. See, Tokyo engineers, not that hard. <laughs> in a women's group play, Australia defeated Canada 4-3. to three. Japan defeated the U.S. 3-2. to two. That was kind of a heartbreaker to watch, but Japan did really well. And different playing styles. That was interesting. I, I want to know more about sometimes people would spin before they threw. Sometimes they wouldn't spin before they threw. Spinners and gliders in another sport. Right. Apparently, the Japanese athletes would kind of like chirp like birds to throw off the other team. I couldn't hear it, but I bet it was happening. Israel defeated RPC 8-3, and Turkey defeated Brazil 8-4. On the women's side, Turkey is the only undefeated team in group play. In the men's competition, Turkey beat China 6-3, Japan defeated Lithuania 10-2, and Germany defeated Belgium 2-0. And on the men's side, Japan is the only undefeated team in group play so far. We had more judo action which we watched just a few minutes of this, but not, not enough to make a difference in my understanding of, of para-judo. They were having a lot of hair issues in the match that I was watching. Really? Like what? 
like her bun kept coming out. So they would have to stop play and reset her bun. It was the Jaduka from uh, Azerbaijan. Mm. And she had beautiful hair. And they all wear that same sort of top knot style. So flip over. I was like, oh, now I know how to do that. I don't nearly have enough hair to do that. But (laughs) learning all about judo and hairstyling. (laughs) In the women's 57 kilos, gold went to Azerbaijan's Zevda Valieva. Silver went to Uzbekistan's Parvina Samandarova. Bronze went to Lucia Rajo from Brazil and also to Zenep Selik from Turkey. In the men's 73 kilos, Farouz Saidov from Uzbekistan won gold. Timirzan Dalet from Kazakhstan won silver. Rufat Mohamedov from Ukraine and Osivadas Barikas from Lithuania won the bronzes. In the women's 63 kilos, Akanim Husinova from Azerbaijan won gold. Irina Huseva from Ukraine won silver. Wang Hui from China won bronze, as well as Nafisa Sherboeva from Uzbekistan. And rounding out the competition for the day, it was the men's 81 kilos. Gold went to Hussein Ramili from Azerbaijan. Silver went to Diverkhan Karamatov from Uzbekistan. Eduardo Adrian Avila Sanchez from Mexico and Lee Jungmin from Korea won bronzes. In powerlifting, we had four weight classes for the day. Men's 72 kilos. Gold went to Bonnie Bunyao Gustin from Malaysia. This was a Paralympic record with a best lift of 228 kilos. Silver went to Mahmoud Atia from Egypt. The best lift was 191. Bronze went to Mickey Ewell from Great Britain, whose best lift was 182. That's a pretty big difference for Malaysia. Yikes. Impressive. That's a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. In the women's 61 kilos, gold went to Amalia Perez from Mexico, whose best lift was 131 kilos. Silver went to Ruza Kuzieva from Uzbekistan, whose best lift was 130 kilos. And bronze went to uh, Lucy Ejike from Nigeria, who also lifted 130 kilos. But as we learned yesterday, Kuzieva was a lighter body weight, so she took the silver. In the women's 67 kilos, Tan Yu Jiao from China won gold with a best lift of 133 kilos. Fatima Omar from Egypt won silver with a best lift of 120 kilos. And Olitan Ibrahim from Nigeria won bronze with a best lift of 119 kilos. Very close there. Just looking at these weights at the weight classes and the lifts blows my mind sometimes. Right. And like we had finally had the cameras on the weight submission table for the Olympics. And you got to see just the frenzy of coaches go back to the table and change the lifts. Would love to see that also on the pair. I'm sure that happens on the para side too, because if you look at the, the results, they'll have like weights scratched out and what they lifted, what they didn't lift. And you go, oh, okay. I bet this is what their strategy was going, going here. In rowing, finals start tomorrow for single skulls and double skulls and mixed cox four. So we will be looking forward to watching some of that action. Sitting volleyball got underway in the men's side. Iran defeated Germany 3-0. Brazil defeated China 3-1. 
and the women, USA defeated Rwanda 3-0, and China defeated RPC 3-0. Over to the swimming pool. First, we had the 100-meter breaststroke SB6 class for men and women. This is kind of, a, kind of a hodgepodge of impairments. It could be impairment on one side. It could be your lower trunk and legs. You could have an absence of limbs, or you could be short of stature. So in the men's competition, gold went to Bodaiko Yevgeny with, from Ukraine. Silver went to Nelson Crispin Corso from Colombia. And bronze went to Matthew Levy from Australia. The American announcer does not have as much fun with Nelson Chris Corso as the OBS announcer. So I was disappointed when I watched this race and the American announcer, the NBC announcer, I should say, wasn't getting as excited as saying Nelson Chris Corso. <laughs> so I just said it for her. <laughs> In the women's competition, gold went to Maisie Summers-Newton from Great Britain, who blew the competition away. She is fast. Silver went to Liu Daomin from China and Sophie Herzog from USA won bronze. Then we had the men's and women's 100 meter freestyle S10 class. These are for athletes with moderate lower limb impairments. On the men's side, gold went to Maxim Kripak from Ukraine. Silver went to Rowan Crothers from Australia and bronze went to Stefano Raimondi from Italy. For the women, Aurel Rivard from Canada won gold with a world record. Chantal Ziederveld from the Netherlands won silver. And Lisa Kruger from the Netherlands won bronze. Th then we had the 150-meter individual medley SM4 class. This is significant impairment in the trunk and legs and or missing lower limbs. This would be include missing feet or below-the-knee amputations. And this was a race I wanted to watch and haven't gotten the chance to find it on the feed yet because I want to see what 150 meters looks like, what I'm assuming they eliminate a stroke. I didn't see these races either, so yes, I don't know what the difference is. Okay, well, we will find that out. And the men's race... Gold went to Roman Zdanov from RPC, who got a world record. Silver went to Ami Omer Dadaon from Israel. And bronze went to Suzuki Takeyuki from Japan. For the women, Liu Yu from China won gold. Zhao Yanfei from China won silver. And Natalia Bukova from RPC won the bronze. We also had the men's 150-meter individual medley SM3 class, which is more significant impairment to your lower limbs. Gold went to Jesus Hernandez from Mexico. Silver went to Ahmed Kelly from Australia. And bronze went to Grant Patterson from Australia. Then we moved on to the 100-meter backstroke S11 class for both men and women. This is a visual impairment class. For the men, Mikhailo Serben from Ukraine won gold. Victor Smirnov from Ukraine won silver. And Yang Bozun from China won bronze. For the women, Kai Li Wen from China won gold. Wang Zhenyi from China won silver. And bronze went to Li Guizhu from China. Then we had the men's and women's 200-meter individual medley SM8 class. This is a moderate impairment to the legs or the ability to use only one arm. On the men's side, Denis Dubrov from Ukraine won gold. Zhu Haizhou from China won silver. 
and Yang Guanlong from China won bronze. For the women, Jessica Long from the USA won gold. Xenia Francesca Palazzo from Italy won silver. And Maria Pavlova from RPC won bronze. And Jessica won this handily. It was a very good race, I thought. I saw, I did see this one because they cut away from wheelchair rugby to show it. Well, thank goodness for NBC's purposes that Jessica Long won a gold medal. Because they have been pushing her and pushing her and putting that commercial over and over again. But well, well deserved. I mean, she's doing well. Oh, she's doing very well. Absolutely not a criticism on her. Just, you know, we're gonna slam NBC as many times as we can. Because <laughs> we're mad. Well, there we go. And then we had the men's and women's 100 meter breaststroke SB5 class. This is a high impairment or high degree of impairment from the mid trunk through the lower limbs. For the men, Andre Granchica from RPC won gold. Anthony Ponce Bertran from Spain won silver. And Li Jun Sheng from China won bronze. For the women, uh, Yelizaveta Mariska from Ukraine won gold. Grace Harvey from Great Britain won silver, and Verena Schott from Germany won the bronze. And then we ended up the session with a 4x100 freestyle relay. As you should. Mm -hmm. All sessions should end with a relay. Right, and this is a mixed one. So again, I, I would like to go back and find this because I'd like to see how that worked. So far, the mixed relays for swimming for me have been a mixed bag, so to speak. Because usually one team does really well at putting together a strategy and just creams the competition. So we'll see what happens in these. This is an intellectual impairment class. The gold went to Great Britain, silver went to Australia, and bronze went to Brazil. In table tennis, we had some quarterfinals. We're still in singles and we're getting to the end stages of the singles tournament. Sadly, Shuklastani Melissa Tapper lost to Australia's Yang Chiang, three to zero, but their games were kind of close. So we're sorry you're out of this competition, but I think there's still a team competition for you. Yes. In the women's singles WS11 class, this is intellectual impairment. Gold went to Elena Prokovia from RPC. Leah Fernie from France won silver. And bronzes went to Ito Maki from Japan and Wang Ting Ting from Hong Kong. So, hey, Hong Kong, getting on the medal board. I don't know why we get so excited about Hong Kong and New Zealand getting medals. And India. <laughs> you know, I think because Shoflistani, Derek Lung curls for Hong Kong. So there's that connection. We've got Shoflistani's from New Zealand. I, I don't know. I think it's the smaller countries. It's nice when they can also win on the global stage. In the men's singles MS6 class, this is a standing class, but they have coordination issues with the arms, legs, or body, or an absence of limbs, or they're short of stature. Gold went to Ian Seidenfeld from the USA. Silver went to Peter Rosenmeyer from Denmark. And bronzes went to Paul Karabardak from Great Britain and Rujang Tianam from Thailand. And we saw a little bit of the end of the Seidenfeld match because they did show that on television. And that was exciting because his, I think his dad was his coach who also had medaled at the Paralympics. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I believe like so. If I'm wrong, please check me. In the men's singles MS3 class, 
This is a wheelchair class where your legs are highly affected and may, your arms or trunk may also be affected. Gold went to Fang Penfang from China. Silver went to Thomas Schmiedberger from Germany. And bronzes went to Jensen van Emberg from USA and Zhai Zhang from China. In the women's singles, WS1 and 2 classes, this is another wheelchair class, and these athletes have a high degree of trunk impairment, and their hands and arms and or arms and shoulders could be moderately affected. Gold went to Liu Jing from China. Silver went to Seo Su Young from Korea. And bronzes went to Katia Cristina da Silva Oliveira from Brazil and Nadeja. Nadeja Pushpasheva from RPC. And finally, in the men's singles MS9 class, which is one arm is affected or could be absent, one leg could be affected or absent below the knee. Gold went to Lawrence DeVos from Belgium. Silver went to Ma Lin from Australia. And bronzes went to Ivan Mai from Ukraine and Yuri Nostrunov from RPC. We had triathlon today. That was fun. I got to see some of that. And there were there were people watching, spectators in the streets. So that was pretty nice. We had four different races. So we started with the women's PTS2 class. This is athletes who have low-level coordination issues or moderate coordination issues down one side of their body. They could be missing one leg, two lower legs, or two lower legs and two forearms. Gold went to Alyssa Seeley from the USA. Silver went to Haley Sands from USA, and bronze went to Veronique Yoko Plabani from Italy. Melissa Stockwell from the US, who was flag bearer for the team and also has been highly touted throughout because she was the defending bronze medalist from Rio, she placed fifth and was thrilled because just a couple weeks ago she uh, had a bad accident on her bike and uh, hit a tree. So she's been recovering from that and was just muscling through to, to get to Tokyo. In the men's PTS4 race, this class is also low-level coordination issues on one side of the body, or there's a high degree of coordination issues in one arm, or you could be missing an arm or a leg below the knee. Gold went to Alexis Hanquiquant from, from France. <laughs> Silver went to Uda Hideki from Japan, and bronze went to Alejandro Sanchez Palermo from Spain. Also a medal ceremony you should watch. Oh, because awesome. Udo Hideki is the first Japanese athlete to win a Paralympic triathlon medal. And he does a dance. He kicks, he kept kicking his partial leg. And sort of swinging his arms. And he was so excited about this whole thing. And he cries at the end. It will make you just, it's the classic, so excited, so emotional. And he's home in Japan. So even the, you know, we talk about the volunteers just standing around. They were not just staring around. They were getting emotional. Nice, nice. And he got to do it in front of some spectators too. That also has to bring you a lot of energy. And then we've rounded out the day in triathlon with the the men's and women's PTVI classes, which are visual impairments. For the women, gold went to Susana Rodriguez with her guide, Sarah Lohr, who are from Spain. 
Silver went to Anna Barbaro with guide Charlotte Bonin from Italy, and bronze went to Anouk Kurzelot and guide Celine Bore from France. In the men's side, gold went to Brad Snyder with guide Greg Billington from USA. Silver went to Hector Catala Lapara with his guide Gustavo Rodriguez Iglesias from Spain. And bronze went to Yoneoka Saturo with guide Tsubaki Kohei from Japan. I saw a lot of this race as well because of Brad Snyder being from the USA. Greg Billington competed in triathlon at Rio 2016 and retired and came out of retirement to become Brad's guide. And I guess this happened not that long ago because Brad was talking about how he had to work really hard. And then when Greg came on board as his guide, just the way Greg pushed him helped him become so much better. And that was that was really interesting and, and really nice to see. So sort of guide, sort of coach, sort of training partner, all in one. Exactly. In wheelchair basketball, we had men's and women's action. For the men, Spain defeated Turkey 79 to 61. Australia beat Germany 64 to 53. Japan beat Canada 62 to 56. Great Britain beat USA 64 to 63. Oh, that was a close one. I saw the, the just the end of that, and that was just USA almost could eke that one out, but they didn't. But it's still pool play. So they just are not going to have an undefeated record. And then they kind of wanted that one. And Korea defeated Colombia 66 to 54. For the women, China defeated USA 42 to 41. And this was kind of a shocker because I was there and then I wasn't. And then I came back and what happened? I did watch the end of this game and it was one of those, a missed free throw, a missed long shot, a a stolen rebound, just those classic, you know, one or two plays in basketball. But the problem now, the American women are in trouble in their pool play. They may not move on. So that would be a shock. I mean, you think American basketball, but Paralympics are different. As we've said before, they're a very young team. And and it was weird because the U.S. in the first half was up 21 to 7 at halftime. And the even the commentators were saying, oh, it seems like the, the referees were calling the game very tightly at the beginning. And then they got looser as the game went on. And I think that may have helped China as well because there were a lot, a lot of foul action going on early. That was a tough game to watch, but some beautiful baskets. I'll tell you that, man. Also in the women's action, Spain beat Algeria 80 to 8. Whoa. Germany beat Canada 59 to 57. Great Britain defeated Australia 75 to 38. You know, one thing I noticed at the venue, did you see this? In the stands right behind the player benches, somebody had taken volunteer shirts, the blue ones, because I was like, that looks weird. And they made a pattern on the seat. So they cover seats with chairs and it spelled out saying Yoko 50 and it had a smiling face. And I didn't know what that meant. So if you know, or somebody said anything, I wondered if somebody turned 50 or the venue was 50 years old. I don't know, but I would be curious to know. In wheelchair fencing, not that we saw it, it was 
foil day, so in the men's individual foil category A, and and basically the difference between the two categories, they're they're both wheelchair, but one has a better use of the fencing arm. Uh, in category A, gold went to Sun Gang from China, silver went to Richard Osvath from Hungary, and bronze went to Nikita Nagayev from RPC. In category B, gold went to Fen Yanqi from China. Silver went to Hu Da Liang from China, and bronze went to Dmitry Kotya from Great Britain. For the women, category A, gold went to Gu Haiyan from China. Silver went to Natalia Morkovitz from Ukraine, and bronze went to Rong Jing from China, which leaves category B. And who is in category B? But Italy's Baby Vio, who is one of the stars of the Rising Phoenix documentary. She's in one of the Toyota commercials. She is incredibly vivacious and you cannot not like her. Well, the way the competition goes is that there's pool play and then you move on to be seeded from pool play and you play uh, direct elimination from there. So she had pool bouts, six of them, and each bout is the first to five points wins. She won all six of her pool bouts she gave up only four points. The most anyone scored on her in pools was two. In the quarterfinals, she beat Georgia's uh, Irma uh, Katsurian 15 to six, because now we're in direct elimination, so the, the bouts go up to 15 points. In the semifinals, she beats Lumidla Vasileva from RPC, beats her 15 to four. And then she was in the finals against Zhao Jingjing from China and beat her 15 to nine. You look at the other scores from the other players, even the 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 other medalists. Baby Vio just dominated this whole tournament. Would have been fantastic to watch. You know what you can see though, because I posted, I did post this on Twitter, and I posted it in our Facebook group, which is Keep the Flame Alive podcast. Somebody from Italy recorded. It's a video of Baby Vio's like final point, so you see her win, but it's. Somebody who recorded a screen, and it looks like an Italian sports channel, had a guy in like an office room who had a TV behind him, and then they put the camera on the TV and showed her final point. But it, the camera angle is from the back of her, so you don't see her. Yeah, I know. It's from the backside of the. I don't know what was going on. Somebody thought, well, maybe it's a, it was a camera phone shot, but I don't know. But if you do want to see Baby Vio's final point, we do have some video. So I forgot to mention this when we were doing, when we were talking about wheelchair basketball, one of the games I was watching, they were having a problem with the on-screen graphic. Mm -hmm. So the score wasn't coming up. So after anybody scored, they would show the in-house scoreboard. Oh, nice. Just like a video great. shot. I mean, they were handling it well so that you keep track of the score. But it felt like I was watching a, a, a video of a basketball game from like the 1960s. <laughs> and then about halfway through the match, it got straightened out. But, you know, at first I kept saying, why do they keep showing the scoreboard? And then I realized that when they weren't showing the scoreboard, there was no graphic. So you can get creative, NBC. <laughs> And showing us things. In a wheelchair rugby, we are on the second to last day of competition. In the seventh to eighth place classification match, Denmark beat New Zealand 56 to 53. Uh, close match, but 
I pulled up the stream because I was just like, well, I, I, I want to watch something and there's nothing on NBCSN and I knew rugby was going on. And then I got the bright idea. Oh, can I go back to the beginning of the stream? So about 50 minutes, 58 minutes or so into the stream, the game actually starts, <laughs> as, as you have noticed. Coverage will begin shortly. <laughs> and... Yes, we got a haka. And that did make yesterday a little better. So that was very, very nice to see. In the fifth and sixth place classification, Canada beat France for 57 to 49. And then we had our two semifinal matches. Great Britain beat Japan 55 to 49. I'd like to note Japan has a woman on their team. Very nice to see. And then the U.S. beat Australia 49 to 42. Australia also has a woman on their team. They ran out of replacement tires. So I was watching this match and it seemed like Australia kept blowing tires. Like the mechanics would run out and change the tire. And the person stays in the chair while they replace the tire. So there's, you know, several people involved in this operation. And toward the very end of the game, Australia blew a tire and the game stopped for a couple of minutes. And the it seemed like Australia had run out of tires to rep- and so US, the U.S. gave them a tire. So there was good sportsmanship on the tire front. You know, you break down on the side of the rugby court, they'll share a tire. But I wanted to note that the announcers, so I watched one match on feed and one match on NBC. Okay. The feed announcers are these fantastic Australians who just, they don't care what kind of rugby it is. They just love it. And the American announcers are different, but equally as enthusiastic and good. So this sport is getting its due. Very nice. This game between U.S. and Australia, we talked the other day about how we were surprised that when when you think about Murderball, the documentary that we're going to watch for Movie Club, and the play we had been seeing wasn't as violent that you would call it Murderball, but boy, this was a defensive game. And that murder ball stereotype, that really came out there. They were ramming into each other, blocking holes, blocking people. It was so much fun to watch from the defensive aspect of it. Hence, I think the flat tires. (laughs) But at one point, the feed announcers, Chuck Aoki comes back on the the court and, of course, does something amazing because this guy is just unreal. And the announcer goes, oh, Chuck Aoki. It's always Chuck Aoki. (laughs) And his love for rugby and how well Aoki plays just in that one sentence, I I said, I I don't know which announcers I want to watch. I think I'm going to have to watch the gold medal game twice. Oh, that would be cool. Because the American announcer did a much better job of explaining what was happening. But... The OBS announcers just could not be. They're the rowdy gains for me. Okay. Enthusiasm. (laughs) Very nice. And finally, we had action starting in wheelchair tennis. So it was first round for the men's doubles and women's doubles and quad singles. And then second round for women's singles. Listener Kaori had said in the Facebook group that they had big heat delays for wheelchair tennis. And yeah, the Kyoto News confirmed that saying that by 11 a.m. the temperature was 33 degrees Celsius. Yeah. So they didn't start play until after five o'clock 
in the evening. And that caught some of the players off guard because they were scrambling to get to the venue on time. <laughs> and the the match I had been watching that got interrupted by NBC the other day in midpoint, that was on center court. They can close center court's roof and put on the air conditioning. Well, that's helpful. And be careful when you rush to the venue, you may get hit by a driverless car. <laughs> I'm so mad about that. Yeah, it's just like very narrow-minded thinking in your design. Anything on tap for our shook list on watch? No, we are quiet now for a couple of days, but McKenna Gear is gearing up. Excellent. Very excited to see some shooting action. All right, that means it's time to say sayonara. As always, you can email us at flamealivepod at gmail.com, text or voicemail us at 208-352-6348. That's 208-FLAME-IT. We're at Flame Alive Pod on social. I'm on Twitter. Allison is on Insta and Facebook, so please get at us there. If you are not in Keep the Flame Alive Facebook group, you are missing out, so please join in the fun. Please don't forget our Kickstarter and help us reach the goal of bringing you on the ground coverage at Beijing. That's kickstarter.com slash profile slash flame alive pod. As we go out to music by Mercury Sunset, thank you so much for listening. And until tomorrow, keep the flame alive. Sometimes you